20 minutes a day, 365 days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. Hello and welcome into another episode of a Pack-A-Day podcast, wherever you may be and however you may be listening. Thank you so much for making us part of your day. Oh, we're halfway through the month of June. We're getting into mandatory mini camps now, and the football world is really starting to pick up with... We're getting closer. We're getting we're getting closer. I know we're really now at that time of the year where in just a couple of days the NBA Finals will be over, Stanley Cup Finals will be over, we'll be just left with baseball, and maybe for you, maybe that's great. Me, not so much. I'm not so much into baseball, so we're really looking forward to getting back into football. So, you know, I guess the only other thing today... Congratulations to the United States women's national soccer team, 13 nothing. Holy cow. I turned the game on at halftime. It was 3 nothing, and I didn't watch the second half. I was at work, so I was only able to catch a little bit of it. My phone went off and said the final score was 13 nothing, and I was like, whew. So good for them. That's very exciting. This, it'll be fun to watch. This is like the one time of year, well, not the one time of year, but the, the time in my life where I will actively follow soccer. Maggie, Paul, I don't know about you guys. I don't know if you're into the World Cup all that much, if you'll be watching it at all. But I know for me, I, I, soccer is a very underrated sport. I really like it more so, though, when it's at like a global stage like this. Uh, not so much like Major League Soccer does nothing for me. It's not on TV. I don't know where to find it and whatnot. But did you guys, were you guys able to watch the games at all yesterday, the, the U.S. women's soccer team? I didn't get to catch it because I was at work, but I saw the score and I was blown away. I'm going to try to catch the remaining games if they're not on at 2 p.m., which is not an easy time slot, but it, it was really cool. I'm I'm so excited for the women's team. They are so good and so talented, and it's nice to see them get this recognition on a global stage. Absolutely. And, and, and Paul, were you able to catch any of the game at all yesterday? Unfortunately not, I was at work, but I got the ESPN notification and thought it was a typo initially when I saw the final <laughs> score, but like Maggie said, I'll tune in as long as they're at a more convenient time. Yeah, you know, and that's, you know, that's the one thing with with international sporting events, you know, the time difference, so for us it's, you know, it seems at a weird time of day, but for them it's probably during their prime time slot. I don't actually know what the exact time difference is between the United States and France, but but nonetheless, very cool to see. Very excited for their next game. I think their next game is on Sunday, which will be nice because it'll be on a weekend. Be able to actually sit down and watch that. But you guys aren't here for United States women's soccer team, as cool as it is. You guys are here for the Packers, for the podcast. So... All right, so we're into mandatory mini camps now, and a, the I, I guess you could maybe describe it as a surprise show. I guess the more I think about it, it's not so much. 
the guy that we spent a lot of time talking about about two weeks ago, and I was actually thinking on my way to work today, I was like, you know who like was a major storyline, it seemed, and just dropped off the face of the earth was Josh Jones. Well, lo and behold, you get to work, and I find out that he has reported for the mandatory mini camps, um, although he did not practice. He was held out with what they labeled as a hamstring issue, which kind of angers me, mostly because I swear to God. God, every time I look at a Packers injury report, it's a hamstring. That seems to be a very consistent injury within Green Bay. But at the same time, I'm also wondering if anybody truly believes that it's uh, actually a serious injury. Uh, I know that during some of these these camps and whatnot, you know, even a very minor injury will sideline you because as as important as it is to get the work in, you don't want to get injured any more than you already are uh, if you are hurt. I know some people have said they're just holding him out because if he does sustain a major injury, it'll be that much harder to trade him or cut him. So let's start with that, Maggie. So first of all, are you surprised that he's at these mandatory camps today? Are you surprised that he reported? And how much of the hamstring injury are you actually buying into? I don't really know if I'm surprised or not. I mean, when you look at the kind of profile player that Josh Jones is, it's not like you can compare him to a Le'Veon Bell where sitting out makes a ton of sense. I mean, he's played two seasons, and last season he was injured for part of the year. So he doesn't really gain a lot by not participating in train in, in minicamps, especially now that it's mandatory. I don't think skipping mandatory minicamp would be a great look for him if he's trying to seem like a team guy or a potential, you know, to be traded. Um, But I don't know about the hamstring. It wouldn't surprise me, but there were reports, you know, that he just had a second child. So congratulations to him. That's really exciting. Um, It wouldn't shock me if that's part of the reason that he opted out of those uh, voluntary mini camps, wanting to be with his girlfriend and their children who can blame him. You know, it's a second child. That's really exciting for him. Um, But yeah, before we get too much into Josh Jones, it it doesn't necessarily shock me, um, but I think it's in his best interest uh, to get on the field as much as he possibly can, whether that's making an impression with Green Bay or for someone else. Absolutely. And, you know, I, and I didn't know that he had just had his second kid and, you know, that, that definitely could be part of it. Um, and some of it could even just be that because he wasn't there for the, um, you know, OTAs that he's just maybe not in the exact same spot that the rest of the team is at, um, moving forward. So that, that could be part of it. Uh, but, but, um, Paul, are are you surprised that he showed up? Are you surprised that he's here? And and I mean, what do you what do you make of his injury and not participating today? From a financial standpoint, I'm not surprised at all that he showed up. Um, I believe I saw that if he had missed, it would have been a ninety thousand dollar fine in total. He only makes eight hundred fifty thousand as his base salary, so that's over ten percent. And just in general, I was surprised when. Uh, these reports came out that he wanted to be traded because to me, he really has no leverage. You know, Mm -hmm. if he decided to pull the card where I'm not playing, you know, his cap hits like a million. The Packers can say, all right, fine, you're not going to play. I don't see that happening, but I guess a potential scenario. And just on the field, he hasn't put together, you know, the couple seasons that we would have wanted to where he can demand something like that. Um, And as far as the hamstring goes, 
you know, who knows? He missed uh, OTAs, so maybe just getting into town, they're ramping up. Strength and conditioning team didn't have a chance, or the you know medical team didn't have a chance to evaluate him, or you know he could actually have it from working out. Who knows? Um, but I'm I'm really hoping that he gets on the field. I don't want to see him traded. I think that him in this defense with Amos and Savage at safety, he can play closer to the line of scrimmage. It's going to better suit his skill set. Maybe we can see that Josh Jones game again from his rookie season against the Bengals. Um, he was playing up in the box quite a bit that game. Had 11 tackles, three for loss, two sacks, two quarterback hits. Was all over the field, and everyone thought that that's the player we were going to see. Unfortunately, we haven't. Um, but I'm just hoping this all get worked out. Yeah, and you know, and we've talked about. Uh, I know we as a group have talked about the. I I think where he is coming from is he wants to play a true safety position. And we've talked about how with Adrian Amos being here and Darnell Savage now being a first-round pick that he's going to have a hard time fitting into that slot. But I think it's important to remember that I think we can all agree that he he brings something to this team. He he has value as, as a player on this defense. It, it's just I get the sense that he doesn't like the the – position that he would necessarily be playing is it Maggie is that kind of the sense that you're getting with his you know trade request and and not showing up for OTAs that not necessarily that he doesn't want to be in Green Bay he just doesn't like the way that he feels he's going to be utilized on the team yeah and I mean I think if we look back even at the beginning of last season when he was struggling through injuries his social media went dark for a while. He was tweeting out some kind of cryptic things. And I think that's because he wasn't necessarily seeing himself where he thought that he should be playing. Um, I think he's always kind of identified as a true safety. And I think the Packers envision him in more of that hybrid inside linebacker role. Um, I actually just wrote about this a couple days ago for Cheesehead TV about the inside linebackers. And I mentioned Josh Jones as one of those players um, who we could see paired alongside Blake Martinez because of the physicality that he brings when he's in the box. And like Paul said, I highlighted that Cincinnati game because that was really the Josh Jones game. You know, that was the game that where we all kind of were really excited that, hey, this, this was going to be our guy, um, another playmaker for the defense. But I, I don't see him being a free safety or getting to float around. I think he plays the best when he's in the box, uh, whether he likes that or not. I think that he could have a lot of success there. Blake Martinez isn't really a speed guy. So if you get Josh Jones paired alongside him, dropping into coverage, he could really be a playmaker for the defense. I think it's just kind of up to him whether or not he wants to step into that role and see the field, or if he wants to kind of wait around and maybe be relegated to a reserve safety if something were to happen to one of the starters. Yeah, and and so and Paul, I want to get your your thoughts on this quick here. So, you know, obviously we just started these mandatory mini camps, um, so there's a lot that's going to unfold before uh, we really kind of get a clear understanding of what Josh Jones's future is going to hold. But if you had to make a prediction. Um, does Green Bay move him in any in any way, shape, or form, whether it's a trade or cut, or or is he on this 2019 roster for the Packers, just maybe playing at a different position that he maybe doesn't see himself in? I think he's going to be on the team, the 53-man roster, and I'll say at least to start the year. 
Um, I do. I really do think he can be successful in the Mike Pettin defense, playing that Morgan Burnett hybrid role. And I'm hoping, I'm assuming that they're having talks with him about, hey, here's what we're going to do. Here's how we're going to utilize you. You're going to see the field a lot more. Give it a chance. And, you know, maybe we end up at week six before the trade deadline and it's not working out for anyone. And they say, you know what, we tried at least. But during the summer or before the season, I just don't see it. He doesn't have any leverage whatsoever. Like I said, it's not going to cost the Packers a ton if he just sits. Um, It's not like he's, you know, flat. I mean, he's flashed, but he's not this proven player yet where he can make these demands. I mean, he struggled to beat out Kentrell Bryce last year. It's not like he's sitting behind an Earl Thomas or something like that and struggling to see the field. So I, I think he'll be on at least to start the season, and I, I hope so, because losing him, it weakens the inside linebacker position and safety where he is a depth option at both. All right, and and so one last question. I, I, I don't want to spend a whole lot of time on Josh Jones um, because we have talked about it, and right now there's not a whole lot other than the fact that he's there um, with the team, which is good. Um, but, but one last question I want to ask both of you here quick before we move on is, you know, we've seen uncharacteristically, and, and I think we all understand why it's going on, but there's been a lot more noise surrounding the Packers in the last six, eight, 10, 12 months than what I would say most Packer fans are typically used to seeing. We're not used to seeing the Packers in the news. We're not used to seeing them make trades at trade deadlines and having disgruntled players. Uh, it's kind of uncharted territory, and, and it's it's nothing necessarily to say of the Packers but is if he I guess do you do you guys see Josh Jones as a distraction right now for this team not necessarily if he is do you move him but I mean do would you even consider this a distraction or is this just a guy trying to figure out what's going to be next for him in his football career yeah I I definitely think that Yes, it's a little bit distracting because the coaches are getting asked about it. I know today when Gudekunst was available to the media, or yesterday when he was available to the media, they asked him about it. LaFleur has fielded questions about it. You know, it's kind of the hypothetical elephant in the room, even if it's not that big of an issue to anyone else. It's something that the media is going to ask. So it's a distraction in that regard. But I'm, I agree with Paul, and I think that really the only person Josh Jones is hurting is, is himself because... You know, you look at who's behind him, and Raven Green has put on a lot of muscle. I see him in a similar hybrid role. You know, if Josh Jones doesn't play, that opens the door for Green to be that hybrid backer like uh, Morgan Burnett was. He can play in the box. He's a physical guy, and he wants those reps. So, you know, I think at this point, Josh Jones either needs to start competing, um, you know, and work with the coaching staff, or really he's not going to see too much time in Green Bay. And, and Paul, do, do you see him as a distraction or, or how do you read his whole situation right now? Um, I agree with what Maggie said. It, I mean, it, obviously in a perfect world, this isn't happening. These aren't questions that are being asked. But as far as getting things done on the practice field, um, you know, in the locker room, when he first said he was holding out and not coming to OTAs, I mean, I think it was Tremont who said, you know, they'll welcome him with open arms when he returns. So I don't think it's any issue in the locker room. Obviously, like I said, a perfect world, this doesn't happen. But I don't think, you know, we're not going to look back in training camp in the preseason and think, oh, shoot, you know, what the heck, this is where it went wrong type thing. 
All right. Well, so, you know, like I said, you know, only time will tell what happens with Josh Jones. I feel like the three of us can agree. We, we see value in him on this team, just maybe not where he would like to be playing. So we'll see how that all unfolds. We're, I'm, I'm, I'm at least happy. I'm sure you guys are happy as well that he's with the team right now. Hopefully he can get out there and start practicing. Hopefully this hamstring is, uh, injury, uh, as they're labeling it, isn't um, too serious. And hopefully he can get back out there and join the team soon here. Um, but the one other topic we wanted to talk about today, it, it's been, um, it deals with the safety position again. It's like we can't get away from it. It's like it was like the worst position on the team last year or something. Um, but uh, so... so Packers signed Bears free agent Adrian Amos this offseason, and in turn, the Bears signed technically, I guess, Washington Redskins free agent, haha, Clinton Dix, with the Packers formally as well. Um, and a, a Bears uh, player personnel said that they had ranked haha, Clinton Dix as a better player uh, over the last four seasons over Adrian Amos. And well, that's I, I've seen a lot of stuff about this on Twitter, and I know Packer fans, many Packer fans view HaHa Clinton Dix like this, that he's a great person off the field, he's a great guy, great in the community. We all know the fact that he got traded, kind of spoke to his level of play athletically. I know not fans weren't that... Uh, happy with him by the time he left. Um, so I guess it's an interesting discussion to have um, this idea that Clinton Dix is a rated better player than Adrian Amos. And so for a fan out there, for Packer fans, is you know, Maggie, I'll start with you. Is this something that Packer fans should be concerned about? Or is this just somebody in the Bears personnel office trying to, you know, build up one player and tear down another simply because they're now rivals flopping teams? I mean, what, what do you make of those comments that, that they had Clinton Dix ranked as a better player over Amos for the last four years? Well, Adrian Amos was actually asked about this, and his response was that he thought it was corny, and I agree. I don't think that this would even be an issue if HaHa Clinton Dix didn't wind up with wind up with the Bears. I mean, we're not comparing Amos to literally any other safety that was available in free agency. We're not comparing Clinton Dix to literally any other safety that was available in free agency. So, yes, it's an enticing storyline because the the pair flipped teams. Maybe Clinton Dix has a little chip on his shoulder about his time in Green Bay or how it ended. Maybe Amos, you know, feels like he could have gotten the contract he got from Green Bay in Chicago. You know, I look at it a couple different ways. You, you see the production that each guy has had. Adrian Amos has kind of been that security blanket player where he doesn't make a lot of mistakes. You know, he's coming off two consecutive seasons as one of pro football focuses top 10 safeties. He didn't give up a single touchdown in 2018. So he is that guy who's not really going to pad stats, but he performs really well when you need him to. And then you have HaHa Clinton Dix um, still put up decent numbers. He kind of finds himself in the right place at the right time. He led the Packers in interceptions in 2018, despite only playing in seven games. So it's not like we can say that he was bad by any stretch of the imagination, but they're both going to be playing in different roles now with their new teams. So, how their productivity aligns is really going to be dependent on how the, the defensive coordinators utilize them. Like how HaHa ha plays in, in Chicago is going to look different than how he played in Green Bay. So I don't really think at this point it's fair to make comparisons. 
just based on stats alone. Yeah, and you know, Paul, I, I want to get your thoughts on this. And you know, as as Maggie was talking there, this really struck me as like the more and more I think about it, it's such a dumb thing to talk about. <laughs> and like it, it, it makes me think of a couple of things. A, it really kind of tells me that we're really at that time of the year where there just isn't like a whole lot going on to the point where we're like, I mean, this, this seems almost like sixth grade gossip kind of stuff. Um, but it also made me, it also made me think too, because I saw, uh, today on Twitter, some Bears fan posted, uh, Clinton Dix's 2018 stats and Amos's stats. And it was like tackles, interceptions, and, and one other statistic. And Clinton Dix was better in all three statistics. And, you know, somebody pointed out like, well, that doesn't tell you the whole story. And I'm really starting to really almost like make this to the point of where like everybody's like, oh, well, Mitch Trubisky can chug a beer better than Aaron Rodgers. So he's clearly better for no good reason. I, I mean, it, 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 Paul, is this just is this just storyline fillers? And and what would motivate a a personnel scout to even say something like this? That was the part that I was most confused on when I first read that quote because he he can talk up haha you know all he wants and as he should it'd be the same as if you know a Packers player personnel was talking about you know Adrian Amos but I didn't get why he had to tear down Adrian Amos. And lift up, haha! You know, it's almost like he or they're just trying to convince themselves of it um, for whatever for whatever reason. But they bring two different aspects to the game. You know, Amos is going to give the Packers versatility and reliability. He's not going to give up the big play, as Maggie pointed out. Haha is a little more unpredictable. You know, he has the takeaways, which is a number that everyone points out. But from my recollection, a lot of them are right place at the right time, as Maggie said. You know, it's an overthrown ball. It's a tipped ball, and he's there for the pick. The only one that I can really think of, I think it was against the Redskins last year. It was on the sidelines. He just broke on that ball, knocked the receiver down, picked it off, and took it off. That's making a play. Um, but in all this, it sounds like only Amos or HaHa can be successful. That's what people think, but both can be. I think Amos is going to be successful in the system, and I could see HaHa paired with Eddie Jackson um, of the Bears – you know, working out well there too, where he doesn't necessarily have to be the guy and he can rely more on his, uh, um, you know, instincts and breaking on the ball right away. So, it, it, you know, and, and again, I, I just, it seems like such an odd thing to do. I, you know, and, and, you know, maybe for all we know, it, it was just a, personnel scout just you know saying hey this is this is what we saw and we don't mean anything other than here's here's the grade right um and so uh, you know and I, again it's just one of those things you know i know packer fans weren't big on haha by the end of last season but um i you know i don't think this is anything that packer fans need to read into um because ultimately how they're used in the defense it, it makes a difference who you're playing with there's so many different factors that go into who could quote unquote be a better player and ultimately if if Green Bay felt like they got a better player in in Amos than than what they had with Clinton Dixon you know again it doesn't really matter there but uh, you know just um I guess gives us something to talk about, which uh, we're very thankful for at this time of year when there's not a whole lot to talk about. So, um, but uh, so 
just a couple quick closing thoughts here. When we look at the safety position, guys, you know, I know for me personally, I don't know where you guys had the position last year, but I thought it was by far the worst position on the team last year. Coming into this 2019 season, you know, ruling out injuries because injuries will obviously make any position worse than it than it actually might be. But how do you guys feel about the safety position with all the additions, um, you know, factoring in to that that uh, Darnell Savage is a rookie, Adrian Amos, while he's a veteran, it's his first year here uh, in Green Bay. How do you guys feel about the structure of the position of safety uh, heading into 2019? Maggie, I'll start with you. I think, um, like Paul was saying, I'm just going to backtrack a a second. Um, I know it's not cool to root for Bears players, and I'm not rooting for HaHa Clinton Dix to have 12 interceptions against Aaron Rodgers, but I think sometimes players need to find a spot to rejuvenate their careers. And like he said, pairing Clinton Dix with Eddie Jackson, two Bama boys, I think that this might be the perfect landing spot for Clinton Dix. Um, So I think that that worked out really well for the Bears. Hopefully it doesn't work out well two games out of the year. Um, <laughs> but I do like the Bears as a landing spot for him. I think that there's a lot of potential for him there. Um, and like Paul said, it's also nice for him to not have to be the guy in a defense. He can kind of be the secondary player. Um, but to me, it kind of reflects um, – there's a comparison there between Clinton Dix and Darnell Savage. You know, they're both first-round guys. You're, the expectation is that they're going to come in at one of the weakest positions on the team and make an immediate impact. Um, so I like the Darnell Savage pickup quite a bit. I feel a lot better going into this season with the safety room of Savage, Amos, and Green than I did with Clinton Dix and Bryce. Um, but, you know, I think that Darnell Savage is kind of a question mark just for the first couple games to really see if he can be your starting guy. Um, and I did want to just share one fact that I think might make Packer fans pretty excited um, about Adrian Amos, uh, per f- uh, pro football focus, a staggering 47.1% of his career targets have resulted in either a defensive stop or a forced incompletion. Um, and that's the highest defensive success rate uh, tied with Charles Woodson. Uh, hey, the- there's a guy that everybody yeah. in Green Bay can get behind. Yeah, tied uh, by a safety in the pro football focus era. So, you know, the arrow's planning up for safeties in Green Bay and it's about time. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, <laughs> I was very frustrated with the position last year. And, and uh, so Paul, how, how are you feeling uh, coming into this season with the safety position? Um, definitely a lot better than last year. Yeah, Amos had the most coverage snaps of any, this is per football focus again, of any safety in the league last year. And he finished with a grade of, I think, 81 or 82, which is 7th or 8th best in the league. So having that security blanket on the back end, you know, in 2018's offseason, they solidified the cornerback positions with Jair and Josh Jackson. Hopefully found something in Tony Brown, got Tremont back for another year. Now they're solidifying the back end, and the Packers haven't had that since the days of Nick Collins. But with that said, there's still question marks. It's, uh, you know, Amos' first year in the system. Savage is a rookie. There's probably going to be some lumps, some misplays here and there. And then behind them, Raven Green had some flashes last year, but still a bit of an unknown. There's Latrell Jamerson in camp, Mike Tyson. So I definitely feel better, but it's, you know, and these were two fantastic additions I'm excited about. 
but I wouldn't call it, you know, a lockdown, you know, know for certain this is going to be fantastic at this point. Still, still wait and see on my part. And I, I think the uh, another big thing to consider isn't just the secondary, but it's the front seven talent that you have as well. So, you know, going into 2018, there was a lot of uncertainty. Um, you had Kenny Clark, who's phenomenal. You have Mike Daniels, but they lost Mo Wilkerson right away. Uh, Clay Matthews and Nick Perry weren't producing like they were expected to. So that put a lot of pressure on the secondary to make plays and be successful. I think, you know, with the addition of the Smiths, you have a healthy Kenny Clark, a healthy Mike Daniels. Uh, Rashawn Gary, if he rotates in, you know, the front seven, should they perform the way they're expected to, that's a bolstered room with a lot of talent, a lot of depth, and that's going to automatically help the secondary out as well. Yeah, and speaking of that front seven, I I don't know, let me know what you guys think. Has that become the deepest position on the team, or at least the defensive front? You got the Smiths, Rashawn Gary, Kyler Fackrell, Kenny Clark, Mike Daniels. Kingsley Kiki, Dean Lowry, Tyler Lancaster. I mean, that's a deep unit right there along that defensive front. Way, way better than last year. And like you said, that's going to help out the back end and the quarterbacks a ton. Absolutely. I, I would I would agree. It's probably I that, that front seven or, you know, assuming people can stay healthy, corner. Corner looks like a good position on paper right now. Now how that translates during the season is, you know, a completely different question. But I, I wouldn't say that that's an unfair statement to say that that's probably the deepest part of the roster right now. A lot of playmakers. Well, we can we can only hope that they uh, they show up on Sundays. Uh, it'll be it'll be exciting, that's for sure. So, all right, well, guys, before we wrap up here, we started the show today by talking about the U.S. women's soccer team and their massive victory yesterday, thirteen nothing. So. Um, we'll close out with something non-football related tonight. The Stanley Cup Finals. Game seven, you guys, I don't know if you guys watch hockey at all. I don't know. Maybe maybe you don't have a single care in the world about game seven tonight, but you got any predictions? Who's, who's taking home, home the Stanley Cup this year? I am not a hockey watcher. I got the Brewers on right now, <laughs> but I'm going to root against Boston just because they win all the time. Maggie, what about you? Yeah, being a a Wisconsin uh, resident, I can't root for any Chicago team. So the Blackhawks were out for me for hockey. So I adopted the Pittsburgh Penguins because of the Penguin mascot um, a while ago. (laughs) Um, So since they're not they're not in it, I haven't really watched too much of it. But I hope the Blues get there first. I mean, I think we can all root for that. It's pretty cool to see an underdog story. Philly got theirs a couple years ago, and that was fun to cheer for them. And again, like Paul said, it's against Boston. So let's go for the Blues. Uh, you know it's i you know i'm i'm very torn on this because i i i'm one of these i'm i'm that person that i swear everybody hates i like watching boston win because it it like it really gets to people like people are like all oh, you know you got the patriots you got the celtics you got the red sox the bruins it's like all they ever do is win but I have to say, I grew up in Minnesota, and I thought Viking fans were, like, the worst fans out there until you get on Twitter and you go, like, see any Boston fan Twitter page, (laughs) and they are by far, like, I'm convinced that they might be some of the worst people on the planet. So giving them some humble pie, uh, I I can go either way, but uh, I guess, uh, you know... I'd like to see the Bruins win. Uh, they're one of the original six. I think it'd be cool to see, but um, 
you know, at the same time, Maggie, like you brought up, it's always it's always cool when you can watch a first of a championship for a team. Um, so, I, you know, I, I know, again, shocker, nobody here that listens to this every other week is surprised that I take the middle of the road and the, uh, the, the cop out. But that's what I'm going to do. I'm at least sticking to the person I claim to be. So, right. <laughs> so, yes, yes, on brand. So. All right. Well, guys, we are out of time for the day here. Uh, quickly, though, um, how can people get in touch with you, follow you guys, follow your work, Maggie? How can people do that for you? All right. My Twitter handle is at Maggie Lawler, L-A-W-L-E-R. And I also write for Cheesehead TV. So look for my work on there two times a week. All right. Great. And, and Paul, how can people get in touch with you and follow you? You can find me on Twitter at Paul underscore Brettel, B-R-E-T-L, and I write for Dairyland Express where we cover Packers, Brewers, Bucks, Badgers, and also PackersTalk.com. All right, great. And you guys, you can always follow me at SportsMitty on Twitter, and I will continue to do this because I know Jacob loves it when I mention him in the podcast and he's not on. As he has stated before, I should just make a sound clip of it at some point and insert it at the end of every podcast, which is there's really no point because I don't tweet all that much. So, But if you'd like, every once in a while, I put some stuff out there. It's not that entertaining. So, But anyway, with that, thank you again for listening today, guys. Make sure that over the next couple of weeks, follow and support the U.S. women's national soccer team. That's going to be so much fun. Uh, hopefully they can defend their title with another win uh, this, this time around. That'd be really great. Make sure to check those out. Uh, all the games, I think, should be on Fox. So go ahead and check that out. Support them. Uh, it's really cool time. Uh, really cool. Really cool for them and everything they're going to be doing. And as always, make sure you're tuning in every day here for the Pack-A-Day podcast with all the greatest and latest Packers sports news and updates. And you can do that by following us on Twitter at Packaday Podcast and make sure you're liking and subscribing to us on your favorite podcast platforms. With that, my name is Nick Schmitz. I've been your host today. Thank you, Maggie and Paul, again for joining me. That is all the time we have for today. And as always, go Pack Go! Sunday night football in the start of a historic season for the Green Bay Packers. Rodgers in the shotgun, here's the snap, rushes on, Rodgers nowhere to go, and he's snowed under. Back inside the 30, and Rodgers is down. Roy Robertson, Harris, Khalil Mack, and Rodgers unable to get up. Oh, my goodness. Wow. Down to 19 from the Green Bay 30, snap to Kaiser under pressure, immediately dumps it up right side, it's intercepted. Intercepted by Khalil Mack. Circle route to the 15, to the 10. He's to the 5, to the end zone. Touchdown. Oh, my goodness. Khalil Mack's had a sack, fumble recovery, interception return for a touchdown. Nine fourteen to go in the third. Chicago 20, Green Bay nothing. Wayne, I actually see Aaron on the sideline throwing. Well, that's a good sign. Yep, he is. Of the shotgun, snap to A-Rod. Looking downfield, throws it over the middle. Randall Cobb is there. Makes a spinning grab just outside the left hash mark. J.K. Scott, Mason Crosby. Here's the snap. Placement made. Kick is up. And it is good. So the Packers on the board with 3.37 to go in the third.
snap to A-Rod, looking around and waiting. Lost it, deep down the right side. Allison in the end zone, makes a spectacular catch. Touchdown! What a throw, and what a catch. And the Packers get back into it. 39-yard bomb from Aaron Rodgers to Geronimo Allison. Corey Lindsley on the snap, four-man line for the Bears. They're coming on a blitz up the middle. They pick it up, Rodgers looks, lost, left side, got a man out there, to Rodgers under a blitz. Rodgers tight pocket steps up, throws a left, got Devontae inside the 10, head back, cuts left to the 5, reaches Highline, and touchdown! Oh, what a play by Devontae Adams! Snap to A-Rod, rushes on, has time. 